It's Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim, Chet, Chesco. Hey, Chet, Super Wild Card Weekend uh, was pretty much a dud, and that started out with the Eagles. The Sixers have now won 8 of 10, still sitting two and a half games out of first place. The Flyers, they're in a free fall. They've lost nine in a row, and it is getting really ugly. Uh, You know, we're going to take a few minutes along the way. We're going to talk about the state of Philadelphia sports. That should be a lot of fun. We might not like what we each have to say about it, but it should still be fun. And, oh, yeah, uh, we will talk about the NFL officials. Yikes. Do we really have to talk about the Flyers, Bill? I mean, a 10-game losing streak that uh, got Elaine Vigneault fired. They won a few games. Now they're on a nine-game skid. And, oh, Bill, maybe later on in the show, you can remind everybody just how much you like shootouts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Overtime anything is is not (laughs) high on my list other than equal opportunities. All right. Hey, uh, we got a great guest tonight. We're, we're going to uh, have Mike Sealski. He's going to talk Eagles. Uh, uh, his new book is now available, The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. That's going to be fun. Yeah. And now listen, here's the deal. We actually had to interview Mike earlier today because he is swamped with other appearances, you know, podcast <laughs> interviews and whatnot for his new book. You know, I understand that. We're just glad we got him. So... Our interview with him is recorded, and we're going to play that for you in just a second. But while that is on, we're going to allow you guys, especially those of you watching on Facebook Live, and I know that's how most of you watch us when we do the show live. If you're watching us here on this Wednesday evening uh, in the 7 o'clock hour Eastern time, feel free to comment, not just about you know Mike and his new book, but you can ask questions of Bill and me, seriously. And then we will get to them after the Sealski segment. You can ask us, you know, for thoughts about the Philly sports scene, uh, pretty much anything within reason. No politics, no religion, none of that stuff. <laughs> no uh, music, music and beer. Can we talk about sure, that? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll take personal questions about the fun stuff that I do. So, uh, yeah, whatever. So we will do that. You can question us on Facebook Live. Just type in there in the comment section, and uh, we will, you know, pick some of the best comments and questions and show them after the interview and maybe give you a few answers, maybe surprise a few people. Who knows? There you go. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's get the mic. Uh, like I said, this was just a few hours ago, and uh, we're glad we were able to get Mike with us. And uh, he kind of had to change his plans at the last minute uh, so he could make money. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's give it a whirl. Let's see if I hit the right buttons and get Mike on the air for everybody to see and hear. Hey, we've got a great guest tonight in the Inquirer's Mike Sealski. He's going to talk Eagles. We're going to talk about his new book that is now available, The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. Going to be a good one. Oh, man, the book is getting great reviews. It is selling well. And uh, kudos to Mike on all that. He's a very busy guy these days. He, you know, the book just came out eight days ago. He's been all over TV and radio and podcasts and with print interviewers. So we're thrilled he was able to squeeze us into his busy schedule. Uh, I think he's ready to roll, so why don't we let get it going, Bill? Let's do that. Let's welcome Mike Sealski back to Philly Press Box Radio. Mike, thanks for taking the time to join us. Always enjoy it, guys. Thank you so much for having me. 
Hey, Mike. So as we said, the book came out about uh, eight days ago. It's getting great reviews. Let's put it up here so everybody knows what we're talking about. It is The Rise and the Pursuit of Immortality, the Kobe Bryant story. Um, first thing I want to ask you, what about that title, The Pursuit of Immortality? Was that something that Kobe himself, you know, had a desire to become, you know, immortal, in, in other words? Absolutely. Um, he chased becoming the best basketball player in the world from the time he could barely walk. I mean, he was dunking when he was uh, on, a, on a little hoop uh, in his parents' home in San Diego when Joe Bryan played with the Clippers when he was three years old. Um, and throughout his life, uh, particularly in his early life, which is what I cover in the book, you can see that drive, that desire to be great, and more than anything, to do whatever he felt was necessary to be great. I think that's the thing that one of the things that's kind of surprised me most in doing the research for the book was not necessarily that, you know, finding out that Kobe wanted to be great. Everybody kind of knows that already. But the idea that um, he was that devoted at that early an age and the lengths that he was willing to go to um, really stood out to me and, and kind of was the most revealing part of the whole process. I just wanted to mention, we're going to talk a whole lot more about the book in a bit, but that was just a little teaser. We're going to talk some <laughs> Eagles football first because that's fresh in our minds, and then we'll get back to the book and everything else you got going on related to that. All right, the Birds won nine games this season. They made the playoffs. That was kind of unexpected, but then you know we saw what happened against a legitimate contender, Tom Brady and company, on Sunday. What do you make of what just happened with the Eagles this season and on Sunday? I make that they've got a lot of questions that they have to answer yet. Um, you know, it's great in and of itself and kind of its own self-contained entity. The season was terrific for them. Um, you know, nine games, as you said, Chet, probably exceeded everybody's expectations or at least most people's expectations. Uh, they got a good long look at Jalen Hurts uh, to get some kind of sense of what he is as a quarterback and what he might be. Um, but they have some hard decisions to make, um, you know, especially because of the way that they approach team building. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman prize the quarterback position so much that, I mean, I think we all agree that's the big question heading into the offseason. Are they going to say to themselves, hey, let's bring Jalen Hurts back. Uh, he only cost us a million dollars under the salary cap, uh, and we can try to build around him a little bit and see if he continues to take steps forward. Or... Are they going to say, you know, we have three first-round draft picks. We have some guys on the roster that we might be able to move. Can we put a package together uh, to try to trade for an already established veteran quarterback? Um, it's not the only thing that they need to do or consider in this offseason is that position, um, but it's at the top of their list, I think. I mean, you know, they've got questions to answer defensively. They've got questions to answer personnel-wise. Um, they've got questions to answer about whether Jalen Rager – can even be on this team moving forward. Um, but that, that, to me, the Hurts question and the quarterback question are at the top of the list. Yeah. Hey, Mike, as we watched the weekend unfold, uh, some real bad football out there this weekend. And we saw a lot of bad football uh, across the season, uh, especially in the NFC East, uh, but everywhere. Uh, the product, uh, you know, we, we, Chet and I have talked about this before, the product that is being put on the field, whether it's by COVID reasons or whatever, just, isn't getting it for me and 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 we're seeing it in the nhl we're seeing it a little in the nba as well it's uh it's concerning to me as a just from a sports fan standpoint 
I agree with you, Bill. Um, something happened when the pandemic hit. It was almost for me, I, I can only speak for myself, but I imagine that there are other people who feel this way too. It was almost like a switch was flipped and sports got dialed down a notch for me somehow. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because, um, you know, the, the, the actual physics of the pandemic, you couldn't go anywhere. You know, in my job, I couldn't talk to these athletes one-on-one -on -one anymore, really kind of experience it and sense it in the way I once could. Um, I don't know if it's as, as you pointed out, which I think is correct, the quality of play, at least in the NFL. Um, and I perceive as the NHL has kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I think you're right. And maybe our priorities changed. Maybe after two years of, you know, being on guard and, um, being worried about being around each other or whether we were going to get sick has kind of reoriented our priorities or something. But with respect to the NFL, I think the other factor too, is that they extended the season to 17 games. They extended the playoffs starting last year and into this year. And it was, as you said, Bill, it was really bad weekend of, of football from an entertainment standpoint. It just, they weren't compelling games. And, you know, I think there is, I think these leagues have to realize that more is not necessarily always better. And the NFL has that advantage of only having games once a week, but they are spreading their, themselves thinner and thinner. And, you know, I suppose people can't get enough, but I don't know. Um, I, I'm just not drawn to it in the way I once was. Mike, I don't know how or why this happened, but defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon has three interviews this week. He had one on Tuesday, one Wednesday, one Thursday coming up. Are other teams seeing something that we're not? Because I was not impressed with his defense this year. Should we hope that he wows one of these teams and they hire him away from the Eagles? Well, I, I think the flip side of that, though, Chad, and my colleague Dave Murphy pointed this out in a column today, and I think he's right on the money. Um, if other teams are looking at Jonathan Gannon, as a potential head coaching candidate, given the performance of the Eagles defense today, do those teams really think that Gannon was the problem with the defense or do they think it was the personnel? Hmm. Look at the personnel on that defense. You know, they lost Brandon Graham, obviously, but the secondary was not great. Uh, I mean, D Darius Slay was fine. Rodney McLeod was okay. Um, the other two cornerbacks, eh. The linebackers, definitely not up to snuff. Um, you didn't get the defense, the, 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 the pressure from the defensive line from people like Fletcher Cox and even consistently Josh Sweat or Javon Hargrave um, that you did over the course of the season. Are teams looking at the Eagles defense and saying, well, Jonathan Gannon's the problem? Or are they looking at his defense and saying, you know what, they don't have very many good players on that defense and he, he made chicken salad or something close to it out of chicken you-know-what. So, um, you know, I, we'll see if he gets hired. I'd be surprised if he got hired. I think this is kind of the first round of – okay, he's getting his name out there. He knows people around the league. They're giving him interviews. We'll see. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's a fair question to ask. Is it is it Gannon or was it the personnel? Well, and, and to take that to the other side of the ball, I think the same could be said about Jalen Hurts. Uh, the wide receiver situation, you know, we, we all know about that. Uh, and, you know, I thought the halftime comments by Troy Aikman uh, were interesting on Sunday where he said if that was Michael Irvin out there, he'd have 10 catches at halftime and the Eagles hadn't targeted Devontae Smith but once. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know whether it's time to throw the towel in on Hurts or not. I'm not sure either, Bill. And this is one of those things that is a uniquely modern NFL kind of question to me. 
okay? Like, I wrote this in the middle of the season after the Eagles lost to the Chargers because Hertz did not put up good numbers in that game, not put up great numbers, didn't even throw for 200 yards. But he led a game-tying drive in the fourth quarter, and then the Eagles didn't get the ball back. The Chargers ran the clock out and kicked the field goal to win it. If this were 1985, if this were 1995, people would look at that game and go, Jalen Hurts, man, he delivers in the clutch. He does what needs to be done to help his team win games. Nobody really looks at the quarterback position that way anymore. Um, they look at it as how many yards did he throw for? Was he efficient in the passing game? The, the all 22 tape has allowed us to see the throws that a quarterback should have made and didn't. And there were a lot of them in that game Sunday against the Buccaneers that a really good quarterback probably ought to make and that hurts for whatever reason did not. Then the flip side of that is, okay, well, you know, your one loss record it, because the NFL is so passing oriented now, a one loss, a team's one loss record is probably tied more directly to the quarterback than maybe at any other time in history. No. So you can drive yourself crazy thinking about this. And I think the calculation the Eagles have to make is, is this the best? Have we seen the best of Jalen Hurts? Is this as good as he's going to get? And the reason that's an open question and the real the reason why this it's so difficult to answer is because he wasn't a first round draft pick. They don't have that much invested in him. They could cut bait with him and it wouldn't hurt their salary cap structure all that much. This isn't Carson Wentz, right? Where if you got if you got to trade him, holy cow, that changes the direction of your franchise. This doesn't. And the possibility that they could take this in a new direction is very real and they could miss an opportunity. I don't know what the right thing to do is. Um, I think I lean more towards keeping Hurts because of his salary and trying to build around him. It's kind of what they did in 2017. Wentz and Foles didn't cost them a lot under the salary cap. They were able to make smart acquisitions. They went around those guys, and they won a Super Bowl because of it. I would try the same thing again with Hurts because he only costs you a million dollars next year. But what they do have, as you mentioned, is three first-round draft picks, numbers 15, 16, and 19. Assuming they do keep Jalen Hurts around for at least another year, what should they do with those three draft picks? What are the top <laughs> priorities in terms of you know positions, needs? Defense, I mean, if you're going to prioritize anything, whether it's linebacker, pass rusher, um, you know, cornerback, you know, I would look there first and foremost. Um, you know, you've missed on so many wide receivers in the past. I'd be reluctant to take a wide receiver in the first round. But, you know, they might want to think about some, you know, explosive skill position players on offense. I don't think you would draft a running back, obviously. I think, you know, the league shows now that you don't need to take a running back in the first round or, um, you know, you can find them in later later rounds. But that's what I would look at. I would go defense first and then, you know, skill position guys on offense, explosive players. Well, Mike, Howie Roseman obviously uh, is a hit, is a target in, in Philly. Um, what do you make of the last draft? You know, I think he hit well with Devontae Smith. He hit well with Landon Dickerson. Um, Kenneth Gainwell played well. They, you know, they, they had a pretty nice draft. Um, is there a reason to have uh, renewed confidence in Howie Roseman or, or should we be skeptical? I think you're skeptical, and I think that's understandable, although, you know, the, the 2018 draft is the one that's kind of coming around in a bigger way, um, you know, in a lot of respects. Um, look, I mean, Howie's a lightning rod. He's always going to be a lightning rod. I think part of the reason that he is such a lightning rod is that people in Philadelphia are so parochial and so focused on the Eagles that often they don't bother to take a look around at the way other teams have drafted. Um, and the one thing you have to do, I think, is always look at who else is in your division 
and how you're stacking up compared to them. I mean, look at what's happened with the Giants. Look at what's happened in Washington. Dallas still can't get its act together for all the talent that it has. So, you know, it's really it's going to be really difficult for the Eagles not to be in the mix. And so in the NFC East, at least for the foreseeable future. So um, it, it, is Howie the worst general manager in the league? No. Is he the best general manager in the league? No. I'd put him in the top 15, you know, but not in the top five, if that makes sense. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about the book, The Rise. As we said, it came out last week, getting positive reviews. Even Bob Costas gave you a plug, I see, on the on the book cover. Uh, I know it's basically about Kobe's early years from, you know, his youth, his adolescence in Italy, his high school days at Lower Marion, through his rookie year in the NBA. Do I pretty much have that right? That's exactly right, Chet. I wanted to write Batman Begins for the Black Mamba. I wanted to do Kobe's origin story and not from the standpoint of he was a superhero, everything he did was awesome. You know, let me show you how awesome he was even as a kid. I felt like if you told the story the right way of his early life, a reader would be able to see and make connections to everything that came after that. And so uh, his time at Lower Marion in Italy, in and around the Philadelphia area was one that was a story about him that I knew best. And I figured that that was the best thing to kind of focus on if I was going to really write something in depth about him. Hey, Mike, you've been on uh, a bunch of podcasts. You've been out at book signings. Has anything happened or any story been told uh, that was lit by your book that that has surprised you? Um, that's a good question. Uh, not enough people have really read the book cover to cover yet, Bill, because it's only been out a week. Um, right. So I'm getting a lot of questions about it, and I'm getting people who said, oh, I got to – play against Kobe when I was in high school or in a summer league game or things like that. I mean, there were things that I discovered in the research that were surprising to me. For instance, Kobe, when he came back, when the Bryant family came back in the fall of 1991 and Kobe enrolled at Ballakinwood Middle School in the Lower Marion School District, he played baseball, which there are all these comparisons to Michael Jordan. And here's another one, right? Kobe tried to play baseball, he did play baseball in eighth grade for Ballakinwood. And what was funny about that to me was I found an old photograph of him in the Ballakinwood Middle School yearbook, and he's with the rest of the baseball team. He's the only one in that photo who isn't wearing a glove or a baseball cap. He totally stands out. He's the one who kind of doesn't look like he belongs there. And in a way, he really didn't because it wasn't basketball. It wasn't where his focus really lay. Um, and there are other anecdotes like that through the book. I got into uh, the first time he met Michael Jordan and talked to him. The, the one advantage I had, guys, was I got my hands on interview tapes yeah. that Kobe had done uh, with Jeremy Treatman, who was kind of um, uh, an assistant coach slash media relations representative and a confidant of Kobe's uh, at Lower Marion, uh, Kobe's senior year. And the two of them had tried to collaborate on a book back in 1996 and 1997. So Kobe sat down for these interviews with Jeremy. Jeremy had the transcripts of some of those interviews, but he didn't have all the tapes. He eventually found all the tapes and gave them to me, and nobody's heard these things in 25 years. So I was able to get the fresh, real-time thoughts of a 17, 18, 19-year-old Kobe Bryant uh, and weave those, you know, his comments and thoughts into narrative of the book. 
Yeah, I know you feel uh, you put out a few podcasts yourself with some of those tapes, and I would listen to those. They, they were they were great. Really enjoyed that. Thanks. And I know you you wrote about John Lucas in the book. His stint as Sixers coach didn't really work out so well, even though I was rooting for him. But he was a big fan of Kobe's right from the get go, from the first time he saw him. I guess at Lower Marion. Uh, what can you tell us about John Lucas and his relationship with Kobe? Well, John Lucas's daughter Tarvia was a classmate of Kobe's at Lower Marion. So uh, Lucas saw Kobe play in a district playoff game at the Palestra and was so impressed that he invited Kobe to come work out and scrimmage and play pickup with the Sixers and other NBA and Division I college players during the summer of 1995 at St. Joe's and at Episcopal Academy. And Lucas at the time was the coach and general manager of the Sixers, and he had designs on taking Kobe with the number one overall pick in the 1996 draft. Now, those plans were kind of aborted because Lucas got fired before the 96 draft and the Sixers ended up getting the number one overall pick. They didn't take Kobe. They took Allen Iverson, which you can hardly fault them for, but they didn't, they didn't consider taking Kobe. But yeah, if, if that 95, 96 season had gone better for the Sixers and they had had a high first round pick, Lucas probably would have taken Kobe and who knows how that would have changed history in Philadelphia sports. I, I, my feeling is, Kobe would have been a god in Philadelphia if he had played for the Sixers. The the kind of hate, so to speak, that he got from Sixers fans and Philly fans, that would have been washed away because he would have been like the consummate kind of athlete to be loved here. Hey, Mike, without giving away too much of the story, um, many negatives come out about Kobe during this period of time? Yeah. I mean, I found out some things that weren't so great. Um including an anecdote that kind of ties into uh, the incident in Aurora, Colorado in 2003 and 2004, the sexual assault allegations. I'll leave that to those of you who want to read the book. But yeah, I mean, look, Kobe was a, was a demanding teammate. At times he was a spoiled kid. Joe and Pam Bryant disciplined him in a lot of ways when it came to things apart from basketball. When it came, but when it came to basketball, they really indulged him and spoiled him in some ways. There's some anecdotes about Kobe, um, you know, kind of tormenting teammates um, you know, throwing basketballs at the heads of teammates during practice. There's one where he and a, he and the second best player on Lower Marion's team, Dan Pangrazio, are in a rebounding drill at practice, and they're going after a rebound, and Kobe pushes Pangrazio into a wall, and there are, like, metal studs on the wall, and Pangrazio ends up slicing his arm up and has to go to stitches, and Kobe grabs the ball and holds it over his heads in triumph, because he, he's never lost a drill and practices and he never wants to lose a drill. And it's like, Hey, Kobe, you just knocked the team's shooting guard out of the, out of practice. You know, was it really worth it? So there are anecdotes like that. I didn't want to, I didn't want this book to be, isn't Kobe awesome. And here are all the ways he's awesome. I want us to be a man in full by looking at his early life. Great, Great stuff. And uh, before you tell us, you know, what you got going on, I know you have some events coming up. I just want to say that I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think you should have told people on Facebook and Twitter that you had this book coming out. <laughs> I've been so shameless, Chet, about this. This is it's the most challenging. Honestly, guys, the most challenging part of the whole process is having to. You know, just be, you know, what do I have to do to put you in this vehicle and to get you to buy this book? You know, it's just, it's constant, but it has to be done. And I, um, I apologize on those people, to those people who are exhausted <laughs> by it, but it's absolutely necessary. 
<laughs> no problem. Good stuff. So tell us, Mike, what do you have coming up uh, in the near future? People can get out and, uh, and, and see you and pick up the book. Well, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of podcasts and shows and things like that. I'm actually going to be on Bamani Jones's podcast later today um, on ESPN. I will be at Monkey's Uncle in Doylestown, the T-shirt shop in Doylestown, on the night of Wednesday, uh, January 27th. And then the following night, Thursday the night. 26th? So the 26th. Uh, the 26th, excuse me. Yeah. yeah, the 26th. And then the following night on the 27th, Thursday the 27th, I'm going to be um, at Puggler's in Bridgeport, PA, connected to the Conchock and Brewing Company. Ray Dittinger and I are going to be there. Glenn Mack now is, is of WIP is hosting a fundraiser. Ray and I are going to be there signing copies of our books. Um, and so come on out. That's from 6 to 9 on Thursday, uh, the 27th. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, Mike, we certainly appreciate you coming out to see us. And uh, good luck with the book. Looking forward to reading it myself. Uh, speaking of that, how can someone that lives away, like I do, uh, how can I get that book? All right. Very easy, Bill. Go to uh, www.theriseofkobebook.com, and you can order it from anywhere you want to order a book. Um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, local stores, anything. Theriseofkobebook.com. Very good. All right, Mike. Appreciate you coming by. Good luck. And uh, we'll come back with us, and uh, we'll talk about how, you, how it all goes. I appreciate it. Let me let me talk to Oprah first, and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, Jet. Good good stuff. You know, you know, Mike's a, so insightful when you talk to him. He, he's he uh, he's definitely a deep thinker kind of guy, and uh, I, I know the book's going to be really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I didn't know that he played baseball, you know, when he was growing up. We knew that he had that, you know, personality where he wanted to, you know, be the guy, but didn't know about the baseball comparison. So uh, it's going to be an interesting read for sure. Yeah. You know, I thought the other thing that was really interesting is that uh, he was so competitive dunking basketballs, even at, at three years old, uh, <laughs> you know, that he, you knew you knew what you were getting, I guess, as it went. Uh, the the one thing, and I don't know, I, I wanted thought about this afterwards, like you always do. Um, you know, if Mike goes as far in the book as to uh, dealing with Shaq and and all that in L.A., or if it cuts off before that. Uh, yeah, I, I think it cuts off after the first year. So uh, oh, it's just okay. it's the rise. It's you know what made Kobe Kobe up until his rookie year. Gotcha. All right. Well, hey. Um, our question board is up here. We have uh, we have a couple questions, but uh, Chet, first of all, we got to talk about our friends over at Allstate because I know it's winter time and your couch is getting more miles than your car, so it's time for you to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. You know it, Bill. Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-for-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-for-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that, of course, is Dave Lavoie. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. And start to save more now that you are driving less. And, Bill, I'm having trouble finding Merrill, but I got him. I got him right here. Here's Merrill.
Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Merrill wasn't thinking good uh, in Tampa the other day, that's for sure. It was well, not that, so good. No, no. Let, let's talk a little bit more Eagles, Chet. Uh, the press conference today was interesting. Um, what was your take on the Nick Sirianni, uh, Howie Roseman, basically, for what it's worth, coach speak, um, talking Jalen Hurts that he's their guy? Yeah, well, there they are. Uh, this is I just snapped a screenshot of Howie and Nick, you know, fist pumping because Howie said some nice things about Nick. So that was, uh, you know, a nice. That makes you think right they there. want a hug. <laughs> <laughs> no hugging allowed. But yeah, I was kind of surprised to say that they did come out and say it so clearly that Jalen is their guy. Now, yeah, that can change because last year they reminded Howie that he said something similar about Carson, you know, that he's like the fingers on my hand. We become attached to him. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, they traded Carson away. I don't think that's going to happen with Jalen Hurts. But later in the news conference, Howie did say, you know, things happen and you do have to listen to all discussions. If, you know, Seattle decides they want to part with Russell Wilson, he wants to come to Philly and, you know, it's not too much of a price tag. You got to consider it. So, who knows? And uh, somebody messaged me and asked, I think it was Jane, our friend Jane. Uh, no, it was uh, Joe asking about whether they might package uh, the picks to go. get, yeah, whether they might package the picks to get Russell Wilson. I don't think they will uh, because I think they know Russell doesn't really want to come here. Of course, you know, they're open to talking about it. They're open to talking about anything that would make the team better. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Maybe I'll be wrong. Let me tell well, you what. Let me, uh, let me throw. Yeah, let ahead. me throw in there though. Russell Wilson is thirty-three years old. He, I believe, he is due to make something like eighteen million dollars in twenty twenty-two, and twenty-three or twenty-four million dollars the following year under his present contract. So you're going to buy off, we'll call it twenty million dollars for a round number, and mortgage away a handful of number one picks and some players uh, for a thirty-three-year-old. I'm not doing that. No, and that's another reason I don't think it's going to happen. And the people who are thinking Aaron Rodgers may end up in Philly, no, he's got an even bigger contract, and he's 38. So not many people are going to be like Tom Brady and play till they're 44, 45, 46. So, no, I would just not do either of those. I would, for now, stay with Hurts. And Howie agreed. Here is what Howie said when he was asked if uh, Jalen Hurts is the guy for 2022. Yes, uh, I think for us, um, we got to do whatever we can to continue to help him develop. And how do we do that? By surrounding him with really good players. Um, players continue to grow. That's a huge part of developing. Uh, they grow how they are in their second year is not how they're going to be in year four, five, six, and seven. And they're also products of the people around them. So that's on us to continue to build this team. It's on you, Howie. It, it, that it is. That it is. Well, and, you know, I guess the other interesting comment is uh, Jalen Rager is still the guy, although he's been demoted, it appears, yeah. to, to the number three receiver. It didn't. There was not any indication that they are giving up on Rager. To, to the contrary, uh, it almost sounded like they thought there's plenty to work with and we just got to get it out of them. 
Yeah, I don't know what they're seeing that we're not because uh, I didn't see a whole lot of progress made from year one to year two, if any, from Jalen Rager. Now, we did see it from Hurts. I didn't see it from Rager. If anything, I think that he, you know, went backwards. So I am not optimistic that they're going to turn Jalen Rager around, you know, becoming a great or even good wide receiver next year. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I keep having to say this because it, it, it just rings in my ears. Troy Aikman's comments at halftime about the scheme, you know, everything was a scheme. And, and as he said, if this was Michael Irvin, he'd had 10 catches at halftime and the Eagles did not throw the ball to Devontae Smith. You know, that's not on Jalen. That's on the game plan. And, and, uh, that's troubling to me. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that worries me. Oh, it worries me as well. And one of the things that I heard from a lot of the, you know, experts who watch the game even more closely than you and I do, they say that uh, what Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles did was force Jalen Hurts to his left because he doesn't throw the ball as well when he's going to his left. So they made him go to his left all the time, and yet they had Smith lined up on the right-hand side a lot of the time, and it just didn't work. And uh, Sirianni and, you know, his assistants did not, scheme anything to deal with that so not only did they get outplayed they got out coached on sunday yeah well and if you remember way back in week two three four something like that there's uh your co-host that'd be me said they're gonna force jalen hurts to go left because yeah. they kept you know he was beating teams you know he, he was having progress i should say success uh rolling right and getting free uh, they they didn't let that happen. Tampa didn't let that happen. But hey, one other thing I want to I want to hit you on while we're still talking about the 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 uh, Eagles, the NFC East, uh, the Giants horrible, the football team horrible, the Cowboys the typical chokers that they are, uh, they can't win anything and all they want to do is cry and blame everybody else. Uh, but I but one other comment I have about that Chet. I'm disappointed in the Eagles. A, a lot of Philadelphia fans are happier that Dallas lost than they are that the Eagles lost. You know, oh. you know, it's almost like, well, you know, heck with Dallas. So you need to be worried about your own stuff. You need to figure out how you're going to win. I am so glad you brought that up. I was possibly going to throw that in there later as well because I've seen so many, you know, memes and jokes about the Cowboys. And yeah, we all love to see the Cowboys lose. But I'm seeing more people, you know, having fun at the Cowboys' expense than expressing any worry about what's happening with the Eagles. So, you know, come on, let's focus on this team in Philly. There's just so much hatred and dislike, you know, for the Cowboys. And I understand that. But, man, it's just excessive, I think. Well, hey, it, it, it was fun, especially the way that the Cowboys lost because <laughs> they, you know, they did their typical choke job like they always do. But it's just the, just the point, though, that, you know, en enough is enough. I I'd be more worried about why we got blown out by Tampa Bay in all, all phases of the game than that, um, you know, they're crying down in Dallas. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, as far as the end of that Dallas game, uh, you know, that, that was on Dak. Don't blame the officials for that. The Cowboys had a lot of penalties. Yeah, not all of them were justified, but neither was the – one on Derek Barnett, I don't think. He gets a, you know, a reputation call sometimes. Uh, but that was just Dak screwing up at the end. Why run the ball knowing that you're going to be going down in the last second or two? Don't be blaming the officials. And uh, no, sorry.
No, no, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, uh, well, what, what more can you say? They, they let that game get away. And, and if Jimmy Garofalo doesn't throw an interception there, Dallas isn't even in that game. But he, he messed up and let the Cowboys back in the game. They got some momentum and, and tried to make something out of it. But even if they got another play, they still had to score a touchdown. So, right. uh, you know, anyway. All right. We'll get back and we're going to talk some more uh, Philly sports here. But, hey, I knew I was the only team, that, the only one that picked the Cowboys this weekend. I even texted you during the game telling you, hey, I hope I lose this game. But uh, how did Boop and Bob Patron Jr., you and I do for the weekend? And uh, what are the standings? I, I kind of feel like I might be mathematically eliminated. Are oh, I? Oh, you are in the danger zone, Bill. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm getting sore from the, the pats on the back that I'm giving myself. <laughs> but, hey, when you got it, you got it, Bill. Super wild card weekend had you going four and two because you picked both the Patriots and, yes, the Cowboys. Boop was five and one. He lost in the Patriots. As for me, Bill, where is it? Yeah, perfect six and oh. Uh, combined with the regular season number. The blind squirrel. I, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I am now 56 and 26, three full games up on Boop and five up on you, Bill. So, yeah, your time is pretty much running out. Yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll hang in there till the end. Maybe I can knock you off somehow. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Uh, we're picking all four games. Saturday, Cincinnati travels to Nashville to play the Titans. The Titans are minus three and a half in that game. San Francisco travels to Green Bay. The Packers are minus five and a half. Uh, Sunday, the Los Angeles Rams travel to Tampa Bay. The Bucks are minus three. And Buffalo travels to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus two and a half. So who does Boop like Cincinnati at Tennessee? The Titans minus three and a half. Well, we got to change things up a little bit, Bill, because I didn't give you all the details, but this is for real. Boop, because he spends pretty much every playoff hour there these days, Bob Vitrone Jr.'s picks are actually sponsored for the next few weeks by, yes, Splits Bar and Grill in Maple Shade. Yes, sir. So, Bill, here right now on video, Boop with his selections for the weekend. Hey, guys. Here are my picks for this weekend, sponsored by Splits Bar and Grill on Route 73 South in Maple Shade. We're going to kick it off with the Titans. To us, the Bengals may have actually won two Super Bowls in their head this year, having already beaten the Chiefs in Week 17 and notching their first postseason victory in forever in the wild card round. We're going to go with the Packers Saturday night. Any chance we had of thinking about San Francisco went out the window when they almost let the Cowboys make that huge comeback in the fourth quarter. It's the Buccaneers on Sunday. Just once in the last five postseasons have all four home teams won the divisional round, but that looks like a real distinct possibility this year. Lastly, it's the Chiefs. Five touchdowns in 11 minutes and 31 seconds, and he's got these guys rolling one more time. The only guarantee of the weekend is going to be I'm going to be spending it far side of the splits watching all four games, just like I watched all six wild card games. There's lots to do there at the Laurel Lanes Bowling Complex, pool, arcades, snacks, ice cream, you can come out and make a day of it this weekend or make two days of it, just like I will. Thanks, guys. Very good. Go. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes, sir. Look at Boop. All right. So who do you like then in uh, Cincinnati, Tennessee? 
Um, you know, this is going to be kind of boring because I, I agree with Boop on most of these picks. I may have one different, though. Uh, I am taking Tennessee. I would kind of like to see Cincinnati win, but Tennessee is rested, and I think they're getting Derrick Henry back. I got to go with the hometown Titans. They are Boop? getting Derrick Henry back, and I'm going with Joe Burrow. Whoa. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go down there, and Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, and the gang are going to roll the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. You Write just need to upset pal. wins. That's all. Good Write luck. Write it down, pal. Here I we did. go. San Francisco travels to Green Bay. Packers minus five and a half. Boop likes Green Bay. So do I. Uh, Garoppolo's hand is still bothering him. Um, it's Lambeau Field. I know he has lost in the playoffs before to San Francisco. Aaron Rodgers is not going to let that happen this time around. I'm taking the pack. Yeah, I I, I can't with good conscience go against Aaron Rodgers, uh, even though I need wins. Uh, I, I got to go Green Bay. Next. All right, Rams at Tampa Bay. Bucks are minus three. Little little closer spread, maybe the injuries. Some people think this is where the upset's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, the minor upset, three-point line. I don't think so. I think Brady is looking pretty good. You know, I know it was against the Eagles last week, but I think Brady and company will beat the Rams this weekend. Well, the only thing I would tell you, uh, living down here and being able to, to see the news, uh, both of those offensive linemen are questionable uh, all the way till late in the, se- in the uh, week. They're not practicing. Leonard Fournette still has not come off the injured reserve list. Uh, the, the all-pro tackle and the all-pro center are still are still questionable. So just a little line for the betters out there, maybe. So but you're I'm, taking? Oh, I'm taking Tom Brady. Okay. All Making right. Sure. Buffalo travels to Kansas City. Uh, Chiefs minus two and a half. And, and I got to say, Chet, because uh, I took the Patriots. Man, what a game by the Buffalo Bills. Holy cow. Touchdown every time they touched, except for the kneel down at the end. Um, Bill Belichick, not his finest night of coaching. And this is where I'm taking the minor upset. This is going to be the game of the week. That's why it's the Sunday night game. I think the NFL knows that. I am taking Buffalo in this revenge game. They lost last year to Kansas City. Uh, Sean McDermott gets a little revenge on the guy who fired him, Andy Reid, this time around. I am taking the Bills. Whew, man, I tell you what, it, that's not a bad pick. But, you know, if you get if you get carried away with what the Bills did this past week, because you can't do it again, um, can they stop Patrick Mahomes? That's a whole different different story. Uh, I'm going to go with Kansas City at home in this one. Then that'll mean I'll make up two games on you. Or none, or you lose two. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Uh, let everyone know where they can follow Boop and everything he has going on at, at Splits. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Boop contributes to the website bettersinsider.com. All kinds of betting information on there, and even more from Boop himself on Twitter, at BoopStats. And by the way, I hung out with Boop for a couple of hours last Saturday at Splits, and in addition to three beers, I had a chicken cheesesteak, and it was delicious. And our barmaids, Danielle and Shelby, took excellent care of us. I can see why Boop likes to hang out at Splits. I hear you. All right. Hey, uh, Jet, wasn't long ago, Phillies fans, uh, we had high hopes, as Harry would say. Bryce Harper was on board. Joel Embiid was a superstar in the making. The Eagles were coming off a a Super Bowl not so long ago. They had their franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz. 
The Flyers had a core of young talent and a goaltender at Carter Hart that we waited 30 years for. What happened? This this town is in sports trouble. Did this really happen four years ago, Bill, that Super Bowl thing? It did. Hard to believe. Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you, we may need more time for this discussion, Bill, but in a nutshell, a lot of poor management and personnel decisions, including some bad decisions on draft night, some bad contracts. I'm talking about all the uh, teams now. Several underperforming players along the way. I mean, we can break it down if you want to talk about each of the four teams individually. But, yeah, there is some of that in every case. Where do you want to start? <laughs> well, uh, let's talk Let's talk a minute about the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I, they're, they're in disarray. And, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, if you fired one coach, you're no better, had a little push, energy push, got COVID. Uh, now they're disastrous. Um uh, the goalie is in question. The young core is in question. Uh, the the captain, you know, fans are now coming to the captain's defense saying trade him because he deserves it. I want to get rid of him. Yeah. You're breaking up a bit there, but uh, Drew made the all-star team again. That's one of the the, the bright spots, I guess. But, yeah, th- this is uh, just going to be a lost season for the orange and black, I fear. Um you know, usually I start watching in January, but every time I, I turn it on, they're losing. Last night, they were ahead 3-2. to two. I went to turn them on. They were on ESPN+. Plus, So I couldn't find them. I couldn't watch them because right. I don't have that. So I did not get to see the the blown lead and the, the crazy shootout that went forever, ultimately ending in yet another Flyers loss. This is just a bad season, and I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah, and it's only it's only mid-January. Hey, and speaking of that, you know, last night uh, – it was the first night that you had to have your whole vaccination thing and this and that. And I, you know, I saw a couple of pictures that were posted, but they were kind of in intermission. Uh, so you couldn't get a real feel for what was in the, in the arena. They, they announced 16,600, I believe, but uh, that arena was empty and it's going to be, it's going to be a big deal for the Flyers and the Sixers moving forward, I think. And when you're a struggling team like the Flyers, you're just going to go off the radar. Yeah, the Flyers always had those, you know, 17 or 19,000 devoted fans who would show up all the time. But that that's not the case anymore. There's a lot of frustration now. It's not like, you know, the Ed Snyder ownership days. People, yeah. and now they can't even say, you know, fire whoever. They, they want to say fire Comcast in some cases. I'm actually seeing that. Right. So, uh, yeah, times are tough for the Flyers. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess Chuck Fletcher's going to be there. And, you know, hopefully make some moves in the offseason that will right this ship. But it's not going to be easy. Well, you know, the other thing that happened uh, yesterday, I guess it was Danny Briere. I, I didn't realize that he's a general manager or something somewhere in the system with one of the farm teams uh, that the Montreal Canadiens asked to speak to Briere and they were told no. Hmm. Um, so read into that what you make. Interesting. Okay, one other thing. Uh, the Phillies, baseball, lockout. Uh, talk about losing interest in the Flyers. What happens if they don't play baseball uh, come opening day? What happens to baseball? What happens uh, to the Phillies? I, I don't get it. I, I don't know why they can't come to some kind of conclusion. Learn how to compromise, people. You know, the sport is not going to be saved by either side taking a real hard line. And, you know, spring training and the start of the season getting wiped out. 
that's not going to accomplish anything. It's just going to make more people pissed off. And I wanted to go to Florida in March, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I actually was at the, uh, at the park today, right across the street from Marchant Stadium here in Lakeland. And uh, it's empty. There's always guys down here working out over the winter, uh, you know, once Christmas, New Year's ends. Minor leaguers, big leaguers, they're all down here roaming around and empty. Not good. That's a shame. Hey, uh, one other thing. We, we didn't get to mention this while we talked to uh, our friend Mike Sealski, but I meant to post this picture, but I did not get around to it as we talked. But like our friend Sam Carcidi, Mike also got the royal treatment at Collegeville Bakery. So the book came out last week on the 11th, and uh, he made it to the, the big sign, Collegeville Bakery. That's always an honor for everybody, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right, Jed, we can we can talk about this subject for a long time. We'll we'll come back to this next week now that we're we have no more Eagles to talk about. But uh yep. let's give a shout out to all the shows that will be live this week on the Edge Philly Sports Network. Our network is growing and growing and growing, Chet. This episode is being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. You can catch all of the action on www.eopsports.com. Help us out. Hit the like, follow, uh, share buttons. Tell your buddies, tell your friends, everybody you can. Broad Street Bully Podcast will be available Mondays at 9 a.m. Talking all things Flyers. Monday Mailbag Podcast with Joey Sharon will be available on Mondays. Joey's got it going on, man. It's, he's, uh, he's, he's done some nice work. They're short. They're maybe 10, 15, 12 minutes, something like that. Uh, good stuff. Talking Philly Sports Podcast with Matty B with host Matt Bednarchik on Tuesdays. Edge of Philly Sports Live, Joe and Freddie's not, you know, is in and out a little bit. And Big Al, they cover four for four and so much more. Sports Live, they're Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Bird's IQ with Kyle and Aaron. Thursday nights, and they're talking about things. Friday, Philly Philly and the podcast featuring Joe Castro. And join the Patterson Avenue Fanatics for Saturday breakfast at 9 a.m. Join the gang for breakfast and talk all things Philly sports. If you miss it, all the podcasts are available. Check it out. Sign up to the newsletter, eopsports.com, and it will be in your mailbox on Friday morning. I think there were some schedule changes from last week, Bill. Uh, I know I caught a little bit of Matty B., Tuesday night, and he had Vince Quinn on there. That was some good conversation. Uh, I know they have something else going on this Friday. No Joe Castor this week, so there's something else going on on Friday. And then, yes, yeah, Saturday, the guys at Patterson Avenue Fanatics. That is always a good time, so check that out as well. And you know us. We're here every Wednesday night. So uh, follow us. we got something for you every day. And, and speaking of that, Chet, next Wednesday night will be, I, I, I think every week is a milestone, number 375 next week. Yeah, so uh, we're itching, inching closer to 400, and before you know it, we'll be at 500. Wow. All right, great guest tonight in Mike Sielski. Uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, Bill, next week we haven't had this guy on since uh, last June, I believe, joining us to talk about the entire Philly sports scene because he's good about that kind of stuff. It's our buddy Tom Moore. You see him there up in the left-hand corner. Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier-Times. He is a great guy, follows the Sixers particularly closely, but uh, he'll talk about the entire sports scene with us. 
Tamor next week. And, you know, I saw a comment from Joe Howe saying I had a, a, a crappy bell. But there it is. And you know what that means, Bill. Yep. I got you. Let's do it. Random chat. I just slapped this together literally 10 minutes before the show because in my regular job, I do business news. Well, it's good, it's good to let everybody know how well we prepare for this. <laughs> yeah. So there was actually a story today. Uh, this was a news story, and I actually did this on the air. And here's my story, verbatim. Perhaps you did this as a kid. You take a slice of ham or bologna or some other lunch meat, poke three or four holes in it, and put it on your face like a mask. Well, in an homage to that, Kraft Heinz brand Oscar Mayer has partnered with a Korean beauty and skincare company to create a hydrogel face sheet that resembles, yeah, bologna but which also promotes skin elasticity and improved hydration. And believe it or not, Bill, they were selling this thing on Amazon.com and elsewhere. And it was only going for five bucks, these uh, baloney skin face thingy-bajibics. <laughs> and I looked today, and there it is, the Oscar Mayer face mask, beauty inspired by baloney, and it is sold out. So apparently, I don't know how many they had, but they sold out of these five dollar bologna face mask i don't know if it smelled like bologna but it was supposed to you know provide some benefits to your face and there you go that's and i can only close i can only close that with that's a bunch of bologna right there oh <laughs> bring your bell on that one boom hey one other thing bill uh i want to mention philly sports trips uh they had a great time as you probably saw from some of the pictures great time down in tampa uh, here's one of the pictures of the whole crew tailgating on Saturday. This was the day before the game. They were probably in a much better mood Saturday than they were Sunday at about 5 p.m. But anyway, uh, a great time down there. And the guys have a lot of things coming up. Even though Eagles football is done, they got all sorts of things going on over the next few months. Forget about those first two. They happened already. But uh, in March, there's the Orlando and Clearwater trip. There's another spring training clip trip i hope there is a spring training and then there's trips to los angeles and nashville and the nfl draft out in vegas at the end of april you know that's going to be a good time and then they go back to nashville for the sons of ben and the philadelphia union so lots going on all the information at phillysportstrips.com gotcha hey one more topic i want to hit before we get to closing out uh jet we mentioned in the lead NFL referees, uh, they didn't fare very well on uh, on the weekend and uh, even disregarded the Cowboys thing uh, because the ref was right in that case. But um, what would you think of the performance by the Zebras? It was almost as bad as the Eagles' offensive game plan or Bill Belichick's <laughs> defensive coaching on Saturday night. Yeah, a lot, a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, replay reversed some of them, but the officials did not have a great year and they're not having a great postseason. Yeah, you know, they do something, I think, where um, you've got – they've got to get it right. You know, they've got to get it right. Where where some you, – you know that they've got a wrong call going, but that play's not reviewable. Well, a bunch of them are, and some of them aren't. If you're going to be in, you got to go all in, I think. You can't you can't leave, uh, leave guys in the balance. What happened the other night um, – was it the, the Rams? Which game was it where they basically had to use both their challenges by the middle of the first quarter? Yeah. Uh, they won them both. 
But you don't get the challenge even though you keep winning them. You don't get the challenge all night because they those guys can't do their job. I hear you, Bill. Uh, it's going to be something that's going to have to be addressed in the offseason. But we got to move along, Bill. Tell us about the right. Raz Room, and then we will uh, do a parting shot and get the heck out of here. Absolutely. The PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have small line razes with Gives you greater odds of winning. Who doesn't like the win, Chet? Well, maybe not the people in Philadelphia right now because it ain't going well. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Yeah. Parting shot for you tonight, sir? You know, I think I will give you one, Bill. Um, I've gone to the movies several times over the last couple of months, Bill. Uh, I think you're aware of that. And this past weekend, I went to see American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. Now, I went in with low expectations, thinking it might just be a corny, feel-good movie, but nothing wrong with that. But it was actually pretty well done. Zachary Levy, who people may remember from the show Chuck on NBC a few years back, and he was more recently the title character in Shazam, well, the DC Comics movie. He was pretty good as Kurt Warner. Most football fans know Kurt's story, a pretty decent college quarterback at Division I AA Northern Iowa who went undrafted, then worked as a stock boy at a supermarket, played in the Arena League before finally getting a shot in the NFL, where in his first year as a starter, he leads Dick Vermeil's St. Louis Rams to the Super Bowl title. Oh, and ultimately wins two MVP awards and goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, the movie is about way more than football, though. It is about the relationship he has with and the support he gets from his wife, played by Anna Paquin, as well as the bond he develops with his or her son, who is legally blind. And having done some fact-checking, as you know I would, most of the movie is pretty accurate in terms of real life versus silver screen, much more so than Invincible. Oh, as for the football action, it's a mix of you know Hollywood recreation and real NFL film stuff. But all in all, very well done and worth checking out. So, Bill, I'm going to give American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story, a solid B. Very good. Nothing like a good feel-good story every so often. There's enough dread going on. We might as well yeah. take the good stuff. I think you'd enjoy it. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's wrap this thing up unless you have anything else. Just wanted to say, when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies was Where the Boys Are and Yvette Mimeau, who was in that movie and... Uh, time traveler or a couple other things she died the other night we got the word today she was 80 years old but she was a looker back in the day so rest in peace Yvette Bimu. and you know who else passed away Chet this might not be a favorite of yours or, or you, you because you're not a college football guy Ron Franklin uh hmm. ESPN voice for many years after Brent Musburger you know Keith Jackson ah, okay. Musburger. Ron Franklin great broadcaster uh Ron passed away today as well, just, just this evening, apparently. Did not know that. All right. Wrap it up, Bill. All right. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Mike Sielski, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Avoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, January 26th at 7 p.m., you can see us live on Facebook, listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, 
or on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio, along with all the Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. So high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans and Chet. I guess what we have left is let's go Sixers. Happy trails to you. Till we meet. Love you.